This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. This morning, you know, regardless of where we're at in our life, I want us to listen with here. Not, not just with our ears, but here. Because God's wanting to speak to each and every one of us because where we're at right now isn't all that God has for our life. You know, at the uh, end of December, I was, I was praying and getting ready to minister. And I just, you know, when I say the Lord said, just in my heart, I didn't hear an audible voice out here, but in my heart, I knew the Lord was saying, Trey, I'm, I want to turn up the flow. And he took me to Isaiah 54 where it talks about enlarging our territory and enlarging the place of our tent, our dwelling. And he says, make sure your stakes are strong. And when I was praying and he was talking about enlarging and strengthening your stakes and lengthening your cords and you're going to expand to the right and to the left, he was talking to us as the people of God, what he's wanting to do for us. And, and in this vision, I just saw two stakes. He says, strengthen your stakes. Stakes meaning your relationships, it means your foundation, it means the things that are important to what you're called and created to do. And he says, strengthen your stakes. And around these stakes were ropes that were tied to them, and there were currents of water that were just flowing, flowing around the stakes and carrying the ropes out. And those ropes um, represent your sphere of influence. And as we grow on the inside, God is going to lengthen your ropes. He's going to lengthen your sphere of influence and he's saying, I'm wanting to turn up the flow. And not too long after that, he says, Trey, I'm wanting to turn up the flow, but I need you to turn up the flow. And what does he mean by that? Turning up the flow in our praise and turning up the flow in our obedience and turning up the flow in our time in the presence of God, in the word of God. What can I do to turn up the flow? Because we determine how much of God's word and God's will we walk in. It isn't just all up to God. We have a part to play. And he's saying, as you turn up the flow, I'm going to turn up the flow. Say, turn up the flow. So in what ways can you turn up the flow in your relationship with God when it comes to your business, when it comes to your praise, your worship, and your forgiveness, and your love walk, in your time with God, how can I turn up the flow? I want to turn up the flow and how much of good things are coming into my, my ears and my eyes and in my, my thought processes. I want to turn up the flow. Say, turn up the flow. Because deep down on the inside of each and every one of us, there's a desire for us to know God in greater degrees than the way we know Him right now. But we've got to turn up the flow. In order for God to turn up the flow, we've got to turn up the flow. Say, turn up the flow. And then after Heather and I, we were ministering at some churches in Oklahoma and come back and usually after I've been going a bunch, you know, I spend the next day and I'm just refilling myself up and I just felt a block in my heart kind of just, I wasn't hearing, it was just like I just hit a block, and so I told Heather, I said, I'm just going to, I'm going to miss lunch, I'm going to fast, I'm going to seek the Lord, and, and, and as I was doing this, I just began to hear the word, clean the fields, clean the fields, clean the fields, clean, clean the fields, clean the fields, clean the fields, and, and then I heard, go to, go to the book of Ruth, and so this is where I want to start this morning, is in the book of Ruth, and I want you to say with me, turn up the flow, and clean the fields. Turn up the flow and clean the fields. Now, now, when God is talking about cleaning the fields, He's talking about the areas that you're called to. That every one of us were, were wired and designed and created by God to reach a certain group of people. 
Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, and as you, as you read the end of Romans chapter 11 and you read into Romans chapter 12 and he starts talking about the grace of God, God's grace is his supernatural ability on our life, his empowerment on our life for us to be who he's called and created us to be, for us to walk in relationship with him and for us to be us. And so in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, he says the, the gifts and the callings of God, I want you to think about that, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, that I want you to see God looking at your life and he says, I don't apologize for what I put on the inside of you. I don't apologize for the passions. I don't apologize for the desires. I don't apologize for the giftings. I don't apologize for that dream I put on the inside of you. Say, he doesn't apologize. But the word gifting means a supernatural empowerment by God. Because when it's placed in us by God, it, there's, the grace of God is in it and on it for us to bring it to pass in our life. And the word calling means to, that God is standing in front of us and he's, summon, he's summonsing us. He's calling us. He's inviting us to be who he's called and created us to be. And so what he's saying, he's saying, I'm putting my gifts in you and I'm putting my grace on you and I'm inviting you to be you. I'm calling the real you to come alive. The spirit of God is calling the real you, the giftings to come alive, the passions to come alive, the dreams to come alive, the things that God has put inside of you. He's standing in front of you and he's saying, will the real you please stand up? Will the real you please come alive? He's saying, I'm needing you to turn up the flow because I want to turn up the flow and empower you to get to where you're called to be and to clean the fields, clean the fields. When God is talking about fields, he's talking about people. When God placed that desire on the inside of you, you know who he saw? He saw all the people that you're called to influence. He isn't just seeing you and you're four and no more. He's seeing all the people that you're called to influence, all the people, and it might just be with a smile, it might just be with the how's it going, it might just be with the way you live, it might just be with the way you walk, it might just be with the way you talk, but you are called to reach people. And God is saying, I put that gift in you, and I don't apologize, so you don't apologize, but I'm inviting you to be you. And just because God is inviting you to be who you're created to be doesn't mean you will be who you're created to be. Matthew chapter 22, you can read it in your own time. I want you to think about this. Now, will you give me your best over the next few minutes to listen with, with, with your heart? Matthew 22, Jesus is explaining this parable and he says, you know, there's a, there's a master who's, who's made this wedding feast for his son. And he gathers the servants together and he says, you go out and you invite them to come in. And so the servants went out and they begin to invite people to the wedding feast. And that represents, yes, where we're going to be for eternity, but it also represents what God wants to do in our life now. And he invites this group of people and he invites this group of people. Kind of like when you invite people to church. I want you to picture this. He's inviting them to come. And you know what they begin to say? Well, I would, and I'm sure it's good, but... I have this that I've got to do. And the Bible says one went to his farm and another went to his business. There's nothing wrong with the farm. There's nothing wrong with the business. Or we could say, and one went to the roping. One went to the soccer game. One went to the baseball game. One went to the football game. One just says, Lord, this is the only day that I have to sleep. I've been going really hard here lately and I know you'll understand. So the servants went back and we've all done it, just so you know. Just, just, just. <laughs> the 
The servants went back and said, I've invited people, but they didn't come. And the Bible says that the master says, okay, now I want you to go out into the highways and the hedges. And I want you to go in, go to the people that are really serious and hungry for change in their life. And you invite them because my house will be full. In other words, God is saying, people will come into relationship with me. He wants it to be you and he wants it to be me, but we've got to choose to be chosen. We've got to choose to receive the invitation. We've got to choose to get to the fields where called to and to be everything God has called and created us to be. It isn't just going to happen. And he comes back, the servants come back and tell Jesus, I went and bought it all. And then he said, many, many are called, but few are chosen. What happened? What happened to the ones that were invited? And they said they were too busy for God. What's going to happen when Jesus returns? And, and the Bible talks about sheep and goats. Heather and I was talking about this yesterday. And you know the thing about sheep and goats is they all smell the same. And they're all sitting in church and we all have our bumper stickers on and our t-shirts and oh bless you Lord and hallelujah. And... But he says they're going to be surprised because they all sound alike. Bah. They all smell alike. But there's a difference. And he says he's going to sheep separate the sheep from the goats. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to go, in other words, let's put it in, I don't want to go through the motions and just be religious and just play church. And so I've got to ask myself, okay, God, what are you saying? And God is saying, I want you to turn up the flow so I can turn up the flow. And I need you to get to the field you're called to and to be everything you're called and created to be. I need you not to settle for average. Don't settle for just going through the motions of, of playing church. Don't settle for just knowing that you're, going to, you're saved and you're going to spend eternity with God. That's great and that's very important to do that. But don't settle. God has so much more for us. And he's saying, I need you to get to the fields and clean the fields. Why am I saying that? Because I, I want us to realize this morning that every gifting God has placed in every single one of us here today and every person that's watching, you are called to certain fields that God has preordained and destined you to be in and you are wired to get to the field. You are gifted to get to the field. You are graced to get to the field. But a lot of times fear holds people back from developing what God has placed on the inside because it can be hard. It can be long. There can be some battles to fight. There can be some things to overcome. It can get difficult. But those are the times we need to look at each other and say, remember, you have what it takes to be everything God has called and created you to be. God would never equip you and put that desire on the inside of you and that passion on the inside of you and not grace you to overcome and to conquer and to be everything you're called and created to be. And God is saying to you, I need you to get to the field. It's not about you. It's about the people that you were called to make a difference in their life. Clean the field. Get to the field. Develop the gift. Develop the call. Develop the assignment. Do what God has placed on the inside of you. And this is what happens in the book of Ruth. There's a lot of different things in the book of Ruth. You see, you see famine. You see depression. You see oppression. You see poverty. You see bad relationships. But on the other side of it, you see good relationships. You see prosperity. You see victory. You see overcoming. You see restoration. And I want to just read part of it right here and and in Ruth chapter 1, I want you to, to, to notice these names and I'll kind of explain as we, as we go here. R Ruth chapter 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, say Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Judah, 
went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Eli Melech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. As they went to the country of Moab and remained there, then Eli Melech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And now they took wives of the women of Moab. And the name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Say they died. Now this is a story of, of redemption. This is a story of restoration of Boaz who is a type and shadow of Jesus. And his name means strength. Say strength. And then you have Eli Melech, whose name means God is king. Naomi, who means pleasant. Orpah means turn back. Ruth means something worth seeing. Malon and Chilion means weak and puny. And Bethlehem means word or bread. And Judah means praise. Now this is going to mean something here in a minute. Okay, so Boaz, who represents Jesus, means strength, means restoration. It means source. Ruth, who represents you and I, means something worth seeing. But then you have Eli Melech and you have Malon and Chilion, who means weak and puny. Eli and his family were in Bethlehem and Judah. Bethlehem meaning word and Judah meaning praise. They were in the land they were called and created to be, but they decided that there was something better in another land called Moab. And so they leave Bethlehem, Judah. Picture this with me. They leave the word and they leave praise thinking that there's something better. Just like we leave our relationship with God, church and the godly relationships thinking that there's something better. But as soon as they left Bethlehem and Judah, as soon as they left the word and praise, things begin to die. And when you and I leave what we're originally created the environment we're created to be in, things will begin to die when we leave the Word and we leave praise. I'm not saying you leave church or being religious. You can be religious and be miserable. I'm talking you're after the heart of God, you're all in. You're not playing church, you're going after God with all you are, but when you leave the Word and you leave praise, things begin to die. Our peace begins to die. Our joy begins to die. Our money begins to die. Our relationships begin to die. And so when Eli Melech, who thought he had to leave the environment, think of this, think of environment, say environment. Environment, environment is a very powerful thing. God created certain environments for things to thrive in these environments. For example, he created the earth for plants to be in this environment. And when the plant is in that environment, it thrives. He created the water for fish to be in that environment. When the fish are in that environment, they thrive. He created the stars to be in the sky because in that environment, they thrive. He created you and I to be in the presence of God because in that environment, we thrive. But if you take the plant out of the earth, it dies. You take the fish out of the water, it dies. You take the stars out of the atmosphere, they die. You take you and I out of the presence of God, we die. Meaning separated from God. We begin to malfunction, dysfunction. We can't function because we're not created to function at full capacity apart from the original environment, which is the presence of God. See, environment is so powerful. The people you surround yourself, one of the reasons you might be really frustrated is because you're in an environment that can't pull out of you what God has placed in you. 
There's only certain, and by that's why it's so important to put ourselves around people that think bigger than us, believe bigger than us, see bigger than us, they operate bigger than us. Why? Because that's an environment that will draw out the nutrients that's on the inside of you. It'll draw out your dream. It'll draw out your passion. It'll draw out your gifting. It'll draw out what God has placed in you because in that environment, all the nutrients are there to pull out the real you. And what is God saying? I need you to turn up the flow so I can turn up the flow and I need you to get to the fields that you're called to because there are people on God's mind and God's heart that he wants to do a work in you and through you to reach them. Get to the fields, clean the fields. And so as Eli Melech and Weak and Puny leave Bethlehem and Judah, they leave the word in praise and things begin to die. They die off in Naomi and Ruth and Orpah are left there, and Naomi, which means pleasant, makes a decision in Ruth 1, 4, it says that they, they arose and they decided to go back to Bethlehem and Judah. And as soon as we, they, they, they made a decision to go back to the Word and pray. Stay with me here. They made a decision, say decision. The word decision and incision come from the same words. Incision means to cut in. Decision means to cut out. When you make a decision, you're going to go after God. When you make a decision that I'm going to cut out any other options and I'm going after you. There are no other answers. There are no other ways. There are no... If anybody's going to walk in the things of God, I've decided it's going to be me. If anybody's going to get their prayers answered, I've decided it's going to be me. If anybody, God is going to show up for them, I've decided it's going to be me. You can't be like me and I can't be like you, but all of us have the power to make a quality decision. And until you make that decision, you will not walk in the fullness of God has for your life. And the Bible says they arose. They made a decision to go back to Bethlehem and Judah. They went back to the Word of God and the presence of God, the environment, what they were created to function in at full capacity. And as soon as they made the decision, I'm going back to the presence of God. I'm going back to the Word of God. I'm not playing church. I'm not being religious. I'm coming after you, God. Things begin to change. They get back to this place and Naomi tells Ruth, and I'm just summarizing that, that Naomi tells Ruth, start, start going out to the field and Ruth, see Orpah, the name Orpah, because there was two, Ruth and Orpah, say Orpah. I don't know why I can't be like Jill and Jan, but anyway, you know, we got, Orpah means to turn back. And Ruth means something worth seeing. Naomi, who means pleasant, says, I'm decided I'm going back to the Word. Stay with me here. I'm going back to the Word, and I'm going back to praise. And the Bible says, Orpah, turn back. See, there are certain relationships like, like Naomi that you are called to connect to, and you're going to have an opportunity to turn back at whenever it gets difficult and it gets hard. How about marriage relationships? You ever been tempted to go back when it gets difficult and gets hard? If you're to say you never have your line, all right, we'll pray for you later. But you know that that's a divine relationship that God has brought you together. But you've got to decide. Remember, decide. Not, you're, you're, not, you're making a decision. There's no other way here. I'm committed to God and I'm committed to you. And whenever you decide, things begin to look up. And so here Orpah, she turns back and there's Orpahs in your life that have turned away from you and turned away from the direction you're going. And you need to let them go. 
Because there are the roots in your life that says to Naomi, I don't care where you go, I go. Your people will be my people. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what we're going to do. We're headed there because I realize there's a divine connection there. See, there are divine relationships in your life that you, you need to stay attached to. Others you will outgrow. And if they decide to turn back, you let them turn back and keep going because what God has in front of you is much better than what was behind you. And so Ruth and Naomi, here they are. Naomi tells her, you know, go, go to the fields. And so here Ruth is, something worth seeing, goes to the fields that she's called to be in, not knowing the big picture. See, you and I have the Bible, so we can read the, through the whole story. But Ruth didn't know she was taking one step at a time. Say one step. One step at a time. She was being obedient with what she knew to do, and she knew that God had connected her to Naomi, and so she just goes out to the field. Say the field. She just shows up at the field that all she knew to do was I'm just going to be diligent with what's in my hand. And she began to glean the fields and she began to harvest what was left over. And she began to show up in the morning and show up in the evening. And she was faithful. Say faithful. faithful. She was faithful. And the Bible says she was determined. Say determined. And so as she was doing what she knew to do, she was being obedient with what was in front of her. A lot of times we want to know the whole picture before we step out. And when you walk by faith, it doesn't take faith when you know the whole pictures. It takes faith when you hear one word and you make a decision, I'm going to act on that word. So something we can act on today is I might have been separated from the word and the presence of God, but I'm making a decision. I'm going to return to the word of God and the presence of God because that was the environment I was created to function at full capacity. And so Ruth, as she's in the field, Boaz show up. See, when you return to the Word and you return to praise, Boaz, representing Jesus, shows up in your life. I need Jesus to show up in my family. I need the presence of God in my businesses. I need God to show up in everything that I'm called and created to do. How about you? Well, he says, how do, how do I get God to show up? Not being religious, but returning to the Word of God and the presence of God because that's the environment I'm created to function at full capacity. Acts chapter 16, this is such a powerful story. Verse 25 and 26, and Paul and Silas, they're in prison. You've heard this story before probably. And what had happened is this woman who was, who was possessed of the devil, she was following Paul and them around, and, and, and she'd begin to, to call them out. Yeah, they serve God. And, and Paul didn't say anything for day one, day two, day three. And there comes a point that you get fed up with what the devil's doing in your life. And he casts the devil out of the lady. And the people that she was working for, they made a lot of money on her. So they got mad because they lost their source of income. So they threw Paul and Silas in the prison. And the Bible says, and this wasn't a prison like we have prisons today. I mean, this is a place that's infested with urine and mess and rats. And it's cold and it's dark. And, and it's hard for us to praise God if we don't have cushioned seats and air conditioners set just right. And it doesn't say, and Paul began to bellyache, and Paul began to gripe and complain and moan, and woe is me, and I've got it so hard, and God, did you forget, stay with me, God, did you forget all I've done for you? God, did you forget how faithful I've been? God, did you forget how much money I've given? God, did you forget that I went to Sunday school? God, did you forget that I showed up with my hair combed? Maybe your hair combed, not my hair combed, I don't have any. He didn't say that he started rehearsing and complaining. See, whatever you're full of is going to come out of your mouth. 
If you're full of your problem, it's going to come out of your mouth. If you're full of your pain, it's going to come out of your mouth. If you're full of hurt, it's going to come out of your mouth. But whatever you're full of, it's going to come out. You want it to be good. And the Bible says, and Paul began to praise. In the middle of the pressure situation, he began to praise, and he began to praise. What are we talking about? Returning back to the Word and the presence of God, and he began to praise, and he began to praise. Why? Because he was full of, of the answer. He was full of the presence of God. He was full of God. You are the solution, and I'm not going to complain about all the things that are going wrong. I'm going to praise you for who you are, and I'm going to praise you that I might be in the worst place in my life, but I know with you all things are possible, and he began to praise, and he he began to worship and he began to glorify God. And the Bible says, and the, there was a shaking, the foundation began to shake and the jail cells, be, they flew wide open. See, l listen, when you're praising God and you're going after God, it affects you, but it also affects everybody around you. You reaching your dream it isn't just about your dream. It's about birthing dreams in other people. You getting your prayers answered. It's not just about God answering your prayers and leading your life. It's about you birthing answers to prayers in other people. That if God did it for you, he'll do it for me. If God healed your body, he'll heal my body. If God provided for you, he'll provide for me. If God showed up for you, he'll show up for me. If God forgave you, he'll forgive me. See, your praise births praise in other people, and they begin to praise. And the Bible says everybody begin to listen. See, my praise affects my wife. My praise affects my daughters. My praise affects you. My praise affects the people. Your praise isn't just for you. Notice the Bible didn't say that the jailer came and opened the door and said, hey, would you like to go free? The devil isn't just going to open up the door and say, hey, would you like to walk free from that addiction? Would you like to walk in abundance? Would you like to walk in healing? Please, come on. No, he wants to keep you shut up, and he wants to keep you shut down. But when you begin to praise, and you return to the Word, and you return to praise, and you begin to praise, God wants to open up areas that the devil has shut down in your life. But the praise comes first. The worship comes first. The decision comes first. That I'm going to return back to the presence of God. I'm going to return back to the Word of God. And Father, I'm just going to begin to praise and worship You. The Bible says they were doing this at midnight. Say midnight. Midnight means middle so one season, and they, they were the determining factor, one season was coming to a close, and God wanted a new season to open up, but what they did in the middle determined what the next season looked like. If you want your new season to look different than your last season, what you do in the middle has to be different than what you did in the last season. So in the middle, in the middle of that financial situation, in the middle of that physical situation, in the middle of that business decision, what are you doing in the middle? Because what you do in the middle determines what your future looks like. What are you doing in the middle? And it says at midnight, in the middle, they begin to praise, even when they didn't see results, even when they were still hurting in their body, even when blood was still dripping off them from getting whooped, even whenever things were still shut down, they begin to praise. And they, what were they doing? They were announcing what their next season was going to look like. 
Sometimes God is waiting on you to announce, this is where my life is going, this is what my future looks like, and I'm going to praise you before I ever see it. I'm going to praise you for the restoration. I'm going to praise you for the healing. I'm going to praise you for the open doors. I'm going to praise you for the finances. I'm going to praise you for the answers. I'm going to praise you for the strength. Even while you're still locked up and things begin to happen, as soon as you say, I'm going to arise and go back to the Word and go back to the praise, things will begin to shift and change. And this is what God is saying. I need you to turn up the flow so I can turn up the flow. And I need you to get to the fields that you're called and created to get to. Because there's people on my mind that I've wired you and created you and I placed that desire in you. When I placed it in you, I was seeing their picture. I wasn't just seeing your picture. I was seeing their freedom. I wasn't just seeing your freedom. I was seeing their healing, not just your healing. I was seeing their grandkids and their great-grandkids because of your praise while you're in the middle of being locked down. You're still praising and God sees generations on His mind that are attached to you. Get to the fields and be who God's called and created you to be. Those businesses that are still in your heart that you've been afraid to step out and do, get to the fields that God has called you to. That gifting that's on the inside of you that you've been too afraid to develop, get to the fields and develop it because people are attached to your gift. Get to the fields. Say, get to the fields. Get to the fields. Get to where God has called us to get to. And the Bible says when, when Ruth was in this field, Boaz showed up. And he says, in this field, I'm not going to let the others molest you. In this field, there's maidens that are, they know my heart. They know my mind. They know my will. They know my way. Stay with the maidens. Why was he saying stay with my maidens? Because there's certain people that know God on a different level than we know God. And they'll reveal, they'll talk to you about the heart of God. They'll talk to you about the mind of God. They'll talk to you about the power of God. They'll talk to you about the equipment that comes from God. He's saying, because in this field is your restoration. In this field is your provision. In this field is your destiny. In this field, get to the field. Say, get to the field. Get to the field. Get to the field. What is God saying? He's saying, man, I've placed things in you. I put my grace on you, and I'm inviting you. With a real you, come alive. With a real you, quit, quit being religious, quit being churchy, quit being, and I'm seeing him in front of me, and I'm, I'm analyzing the areas of my life. Where am I being religious, and where am I just going through the motions, and where am I just playing church, and where am I not being real with myself and real with God? And I'm seeing the Spirit of God standing in front of us saying, I need you, I need you to turn up the flow, and I need you to get to the field because there's other people I need you to encourage. There's other people I need you to let them know. If all you know to do, God is faithful. God is faithful. I don't know how he's going to show up in your life, but he'll show up in your life because I know he showed up in my life. Get to the fields. Look at your neighbor and say, get to the fields. I'm getting ready to be done here. I'm just looking at time. And I'll end with this right here. He's saying, turn up the flow. I want you to turn up the flow so I can turn up the flow and I, I need you to get to the fields. And then he's saying, I want you to believe me like never before. I've been in the ministry for several years now, 20 plus years now. I go all over the world. I've seen, I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen the deaf ears open. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen animals come back to life. I've seen babies come back. I've seen, I've seen some phenomenal things that God has done. 
But he's saying, I want you to believe me like never before because he's going to open doors of supernatural increase like never before. So I want you to, whatever the greatest experience you've ever had with God, God is saying, I want to do it like never before. The greatest financial breakthrough you've ever had in your business, God is saying, I'm wanting to do it like never before. Whatever, whatever the greatest victory you've ever had in your life, God is saying, I'm wanting to do it like never before. I mean, I, I've, like a, I could go on and on for hours about the things that God has done, but God is needing your faith and he's needing my faith. He wants to show up, but he's saying, I need you just to open your mouth and ask me to do things like never before. I need you just to, when you're in your own quiet time, when you're in your truck, in your trailer, the things that nobody knows about, God is saying, I want you to ask me for it because I'm wanting to do things like never before. I'm wanting to show favor on your life like never before. I'm wanting to bring deliverance and healing like never before. Business opportunities like never before. God is wanting to reveal his heart to you and me like never before. He's saying, believe me like never before. Believe me to do things like never before. Before I want you just to shut your eyes, bow your heads, and I want you to think about the greatest victories in your life. Do this with me right now. I want you to think about the greatest financial breakthrough. I want you to think about the greatest healing in your body. I want you to think about the times when maybe you've sensed the presence of God. And he's saying, I'm wanting to do things like never before. Maybe you've never had encounters with God like that Ask him. He's, he's wanting to show up in your life. He's wanting to do things like never before. Maybe you've never experienced healing in your physical body. Ask him because he's wanting to do things like never before. Maybe your, your life is a mess and you're wanting restoration. He's wanting to show you restoration, but he wants you to ask. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. He says, ask me, and I want to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask, think, hope, dream, desire, like never before. Like never before. Healing like never before. His presence like never before. Like never before. As I'm saying that, somebody, you've been having pain in the back of your neck. Whoever that is here, you've been having pain in the back of your neck. And if you'll check right now, that pain... That pain's left your neck. Head's about eyes closed, but if that was you, I want you just to raise your hand. Whoever that was, I want you just to, to, to look up here at me so I can see who that was. Okay. Like never before. Revelation like never before. There's somebody here, you've been having issues in your jaws. Your jaws, the side of your jaws have just been so tight. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just speak peace to their jaws. God's wanting to reveal himself to you like never before. Who is that? Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. I want to see who that was. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord like never before. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you reveal to each individual that hearing my voice, the gifts that are on the inside of them, the dreams that are on the inside of them, the passions that are on the inside of them, you've placed them in them and you put your grace on them and you're inviting them to rise up and be who you've called and created them to be and you're telling each of us get to the fields clean the fields get to the areas of influence i've called you to but father with heads bowed and eyes closed i pray over every individual here and i ask you to show them where they stand in their relationship with you